All right, mic check, mic check, test, 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 test. All right, I see it coming through good. All right, three, two, one. Yo, welcome back to the Word of Reason podcast, where I present where you can find reason in your life, but it's only through the Word of God. All right, so um, I just want to say thank you guys so much for being back. Come on, I got to throw some applause up there for y'all. Thank y'all for those who are first time, those who are recurring, those who are, are watching the clips. Boy, let me tell you, I just want to say thank you guys so much for uh, being here. Thank you guys so much for showing love and showing support and talking on the uh, Instagram. And I want to thank God first and foremost. Actually, let me dial it back. I want to thank God so much for being able to do this, um, to be able to teach others and to be in the position of life that I am actually in right now. I just want to say glory and praise be and all reverence be to him. And I just want to say today marks the first, not just the first of August, actually, but it it's actually something we're trying uh, a little bit new. Um, it is the first Q&A. So for those who do not know, I did a poll on Instagram. The Instagram is in the description, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Podbean, wherever you are, that's wherever the link is. Um, so you can go down to the description and click the Instagram, and that's where we interact. That's where I talk, post stories, and interact with all the people who listen. That's the best way to really interact with me. Also, you have the Gmail down there, and you have other social medias as well where you will see the clips and also be able to reach me and DM me. So I did a poll on Instagram to see what are your what are you, what are some questions that you have. What are some questions that you would like for me to go over? Some questions that you want me to talk about and some, some, some. Yeah, no, nah, that was about it. Some questions you want me to go over and some things you want me to talk about. Um, so there was one pivotal thing that I completely forgot. I forgot to get the names of the people. But the thing is, is that your question will still be answered. Um, next time I'll remember to grab the names. And for those saying, why, why don't you get it now? Because I use my phone to record the camera. So if I do that, I stop the camera. And that adds a whole lot to post. So we're not going to be doing all that. So um, I just want to hop into it. And let's go right into it. Okay, so. First things first, the first question was, is masturbation a sin? So, undoubtedly, it is without a shadow of a doubt, a sin. And to go over that first, we have to look at what masturbation is. So, when you masturbate, you lust for whatever it be, whatever, whatever method you use, whether you use porn to, to masturbate or whether you think about things or whether you masturbate to books or, 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 or magazines, whatever it is, no matter what format you choose to masturbate, you are always lusting. And we know Jesus' standpoint on that in Matthew 5, 28. He says that anyone who looks at a woman with lust commits adultery with that woman in their hearts. And we could stop there, but there's so many different things that masturbation in, that leads to it. And 
I really want to take a time to dissect what masturbation really is. So when you masturbate, obviously, like we said, we're, we're looking, we're, we're thinking, we're looking, we're imagining, we're doing something that evolves around the desires and the lusts and the passion of our flesh. So when we masturbate, also, it is, it's, it's, it's not derivative, but it is taking away from the original ideal of what God intended for sexual pleasure to be in the first place. And when you realize that sexual pleasure was always meant for the confines of marriage, it's never ever talked about in favor by God where one commits sexual acts by themselves and it be pleasing to him. It was never talked about, not to my knowledge, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it was not to my knowledge any point in the Bible where masturbating was acceptable as a practice. And for as many things that there are in the Bible going down to our day-to-day lives and our thought processes, you would think that self-pleasure would be one of those things that are mentioned, but the Bible speaks against pleasures of the flesh so hold on we got scripture we finna we finna pull it up um hold on let me pull up some scripture for you bro because you know this podcast called word of reason for a reason so in first john two sixteen, it says for everything in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father but from the world and uh, another question that's not necessarily asked, but it was a was a was a uh, question one of my friends, Jamel, was talking about was they were asking, what does it mean to be of the world? Because we're on the planet. Technically, anything will do. It would be of the world. Right. But no, if you want to look at I forgot all the different scriptures that I sent. But if you want to look at necessarily what the world represents, the world is um anything that has to deal with staying keeping in and participating in iniquity or sinful activities and obviously i've gone over this a lot in galatians 5 verses 17 and on forth um it's really talking about walking in the spirit and with it within that passage it does differentiate um the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit and how the fruit of the flesh and the spirit are in constant oppositions. They're always button heads. But the flesh, when you walk in iniquity, when you walk and gratify the desires of the flesh, that is when you are participating in the things of the world. So when the Bible says, love not the things of the world and take no pleasure in the things of this world, it means take no pleasure in the things of the flesh. Take no pleasure in in wallowing and living in and participating in any acts of iniquity or any acts of gratifying your flesh because obviously we know that the flesh is in opposition to the spirit and the spirit is in cooperation with god and so if the spirit is in cooperation with god and the flesh is participating in everything that has to do with the kingdom of darkness we know not to participate in the things of the flesh so in Also, Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you look at this verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you think that, oh, well, some people do have the thought process too, thinking that, oh, well, if I'm masturbating and just thinking about it, I'm not really, you know what I'm saying, not really lusting like that. Well, why would we have to transform and renew our minds? And also in, ah, shoot, where was it? Was it 1 Corinthians? Do I have that? Ha <laughs> nah, nah, nah. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 4 through 5, actually in verse 5, it says to take every thought captive to obedience of Christ. So if we're supposed to take our thoughts captive into obedience of Christ and our thoughts are proceeding in, in, in involving itself with lust, we're supposed to take that into submission under what lust is. And if you want to know what Jesus says about lust, look at Matthew 5, 28. He is against lust. And obviously we know that even in the Ten Commandments, we're not to commit adultery. And very, very many times you will find throughout the Bible where it says a man is to sleep with his wife alone. And in I believe it was Proverbs might be chapter five, might be six, um, where it was talking about. Let your fountain not disperse out into the streets and 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 let your wife and her breast satisfy you at all time. It doesn't say let a woman's breast. It says let your wife's breasts satisfy you let her breast satisfy you all the time because it's talking about in reference to being married we're not to just indulge in our lusts and our fantasies and the desires of our mind because when we do that we gratify the flesh so with masturbation comes so many different thought processes and different forms that i can go on and on and on about different scriptures so Yeah, I kind of want to go back to the intended meaning for sexual pleasure. So with sexual pleasure, like I said, it was in the confines of marriage. So when you think about what you're doing with masturbation, you're taking that sexual pleasure and saying, I want to feel it for myself. I want to feel it for myself right now. And when you take it and say, I want to feel it for myself right now, and I don't want to wait for what it was intended for. You take what he was meaning for the display of love and oneness between man and woman and you've taken it and then taken that counterfeit of lust and put that into play. Because when you look at those women, tell me one part of you that actually loves them. They don't know you. You don't know them. You lust after them and you look at God's creation with lust. That's where we have to start seeing things how God sees them and, and, and loving what he loves and start and start hating what he hates. Because when we look at what we're actually doing, we look at his creation with lust. There's no bit of love in that. And so that's that's something I really wanted to reiterate to this person and to anyone else who's who's thinking about, like, is it really a sin? Because I know that that's something that was prevalent for a little bit. For me, it was like, is masturbation really a sin? You know what I'm saying? I'm just pleasing myself. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know, after a long day, it wouldn't hurt to really, you know what I'm saying? But no, everything that masturbation does, even its effects, let's talk about the effects of it, right? It corrupts our mind to the point where you start thinking about things sexually all the time. You'll look at men and you'll see, look at women 
and to be honest, when you get into pornography, you start tossing around sexuality like it's a joke. So if you're looking at a man or if you're looking at a woman, you start looking at them with you you will have subconscious sexual thoughts. And when you fill your brain, our eyes, it says in the word of God that our eyes are gates, I believe. Um, let me find that verse. I want to get it right. I want to get it right. Ah, no, 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 no. No, where is it? Okay. In, dang, don't jump in front of me. All right. Matthew 6, 22 through 24 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or in some cases it says mammon. Um, but your eyes are windows to your soul. And in First Peter chapter 2, I don't have this one. Uh, literally with me, but in first Peter chapter two, verse 11, I'm pretty sure it says, hold on. Yes, it says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful and in AMP, it does say sensual desires, which wage war against your soul. Let me pull this up. Let me pull this version up. I know. Somebody's going to have a fit saying, oh, my gosh, how dare you use anything other than KJV? Be like, look, I read a lot of different uh, versions because a lot of them offer different points and viewpoints. They don't contradict. But it says, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sensual urges. And in brackets, it says those dishonorable desires that wage war against the soul. And for if you don't know, if you do not know that your soul contains where your mind is. So if your eyes look at the things which bring forth not only darkness, but uh, bring war against your soul, you you damage your soul. And in first Corinthians chapter six, verse nine, look in first in Corinthians chapter six, verse 18 and 19. It says that one who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. It says for every other sin. I think let me let me bro because I need to remember this verse. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm going. Hold on. Nah, cause you finna get this scripture. All right, so it says, run away from sexual immorality in any form, whether thought or behavior, whether visual or written every other sin that a man commits is outside the body but the one who's who is sexually immoral sins against his own body do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is within you whom you have received as a gift from god and that you are not your own property that actually leads to the next thought is that now that you know that everything that comes from this 
is gratification of the flesh, destruction of the soul, um, um, destruction of the mind. And when you, you your eyes are unhealthy, it is a window to the soul and it fills your soul with darkness when your eyes are unhealthy. And heck, I could I could throw in Colossians three, five and first Thessalonians chapter four, verse three through five. And and I can I could there are so many different scriptures on on sexual immorality or sexual impurity where it, it's literally against masturbation, because when you include lust in the mix, that is sexual immorality. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but when you let lust take root, it brings forth masturbation. So when lust, lust is the root of the issue. Lust is the root of the issue. So it will bring forth all these things. And I do want to actually read out. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three through five, it says it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each one of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lusts like the pagans who do not know God. And with that, I'll end this so I don't end up going on for long because I could go on and on and on about how masturbation is a sin. Because lust is the root for masturbation. When you take away masturbation, there's still lust there. But when lust is gone, you throw masturbation out. Lust is still present. Lust is the root of it. Lust is the root of the action. And there's literally not a way that you can masturbate without lust because then you will not ejaculate. You will not orgasm. You won't feel anything. There will be no pleasure in that. But when you lust... That then is the activation for that masturbation. Hey, that's kind of a bar right there. I'm not even going to lie. That's not even what I meant to press. That's not what I pressed either. Anyways, I'm moving on. Anyways, it says that you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. A lot of people will say that they can masturbate and stop and start whenever they want to. But this is also a side effect of masturbation as you lose self-control. You start to lose self-control. Because the moment your eyes grace something that really turns you on, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to reach below that waistline and do what you do with you. You start to lose self-control. And we know that self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And if a lack thereof is in the play, it ain't a God. So to answer the question, yes, masturbation is a sin. And I have so many scriptures like that. So the person who asked that question, please come back, send me uh, a text and asking for those scriptures. If you really want them, I will happily send you all like 20 scriptures that I have down for here that I decided not to go over because I really, really do take this serious. And I'm just kind of like I, I struggle with it and I know that it is a sin. So I, I do personally understand the effects of it. So it, it it is by far not anything of God. There's no part of masturbation. That is of God. As a matter of fact, it is a tainted version of something from God and a counterfeit of something that's from God because sexual pleasure was meant for two husband and wife in the confines of marriage. That is what is pleasing in the eyes of God. Sex is good within the boundaries that it was made. All right. So that leads to the next question. The next question is amazing. It is, should we worship God every day? 
And the question with that is, you do, or you should, and yes. And let me explain. So a lot of people think that worship is just the, you know, the raising of hands and the outward expression of, you know, like praise and worship and I need to play, I need to play music, I need to play music, I need to play music and this, that, and the other. But that's actually not the only definition for worship. It's not the only definition for worship. Let's pull up some scripture. <laughs> All right. It says in um, Romans chapter 12, verses one, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. So when you honor God with your body and offer your body, and with that obviously comes with following his commandments and being obedient to his word. Obviously, we know the word says that those who love him follow his commandments. And so with this, we see that offering up your body is your praise of worship. I mean, your is your true proper worship. And so don't think that worship is just singing. Worship can also be singing and the way that you live and the way that you offer up your your day to day life and your body unto God is your true and proper worship. And another thing that we need to understand is that we were created to worship him. I know this person probably knows because they want to know how often is it that we should worship. Also, I want you to understand that there is no time limit. It's just that we ought to praise and worship him. Um, There is no way that I think that you can really, really, truly want to serve and follow God and then turn around and say, I don't want to worship. I don't want to worship because when you worship God, you're praising him for who he is. When you're worshiping God, you're giving thanksgiving and and and. You're honoring him. And when you give worship to him, that is pleasing. And hold on, I believe there was something else. Um, hold on, let me pull this up. We gonna open up to John. Four verse twenty three to twenty four. And this is when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. Um it says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshiper when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth so let me let me go over that because a lot of the times i would skim over that be like you know even in uh i don't think that's fred hammond but in spirit and in truth we worship you and in all that i was just kind of like 
what the heck does that even mean <laughs> what does it really mean in spirit and in truth and upon further uh like research when you worship him in spirit and in truth you true you're, you're worshiping him in your heart you're truthfully worshiping him like you're worshiping in truth you're not worshiping going like everybody else lifting their hands up so i guess i gotta give him bread that ain't worship man you, your heart's not in it that your heart's not in it now if you're worshiping and you're thinking about how good he is and you're 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 marveling in 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 his mercy and his grace for you and you and you just so you let's say you don't even lift your hands i'm not saying don't lift your hands i'm saying you don't even have to lift your hands when you praise him in spirit and in truth and in your heart and with all honesty that's the kind of praise he's looking for that is the praise and that is the worship that he's looking for so yeah, to answer your question, should we worship him every day? Yes, because with our bodies and with the sacrifice of our bodies and with our body does come our flesh. So when we sacrifice our body slash our flesh, we are worshiping him. We're giving him glory in that with the way that we honor our bodies. Um, so when you stop doing that, then that's where it's like you're not worshiping him because that is as scripture says, the true and proper worship. So, oh, there was something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, Psalm 29, verse one and two, it does say, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And that goes along with the fact that we are to always worship him. We were created to worship him. And, you know, we, we, we kind of see how that went with Adam and Eve. You know, we kind of did it. With, you know, We kind of went over there. It's just kind of like, bro, you know. I was going to say it is what it is, but I mean, it isn't what it is because Jesus, you know what I'm saying? He just happened to step in the play field, leveling out the play field. But anyway, you know anyways, so next question is, and it, this is a very good one because I've had personal experience with this. How do I refine my relationship with God? That that's something that that really uh, resonates with me because those who know my testimony know that I went, I went um, nine months after really like like really being serious about my relationship with Christ, and then I left him, and then I came back to him. Um, the way that you refine your relationship with Christ. It all starts with a repentant heart. And the fact that you said refined means that you know of God. You've been in relationship with him. You've had intimacy with him before and you have left him. He's never left you, by the way. Um, he's never left any of us. Even if you don't have relationship with him, he's omnipresent. He's always there always there but it all starts with a repentant heart 
when your heart is deeply troubled by the things that you did against him and you come and open up your arms, shut your eyes, cry out and just say, Father, I'm sorry for the things that I did against you. Father, please forgive me. I rededicate my life unto you. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my soul. I give you my spirit. I give you everything. Father, I want you to take full access and full control over my life. I give my life back to you. And I believe that Jesus died on that cross for my sins. And Father, I ask for forgiveness of them. And Father, from this day forth, I rededicate my life to you. I give my life unto your hands. In Jesus' name. Come to him with a repentant heart. Um, th there's one thing that I want you to know is that he's not going to be like... Oh, it's you again. Get off my get off my throne. Like, no, he's not going to be like that with you, bro. He's not going to look at you sideways and then be like, nah, you had me and you left me. Shoo. That that's not what he's going to do to you. Uh, he's waiting for you to come back to him. He's excited for you to come back. He yearns for you to come back to him. He really does want you to come back to him. Um, think of it like prodigal son. It and, and, and the way I heard it from, I think it was John Bevere before. Is that the prodigal son was forgiven, not when he came back and and verbally expressed it, but it was when his actions had turned around and his heart was of repentance where he came back unto God and said, or not God. Well, God is what represented as the father. But when he came back with a repentant heart and acknowledged how he had been before and was completely filled with repentance. And he came back humble too. And so I say all that to say that dog, he's waiting for you. You start with repentance. And if you don't know how to talk with God, the same way you talk with anyone, obviously there needs to be reverence in it too. Um, but don't don't treat it like you're you're talking to someone so far and unreachable and unattainable and someone so mean and so stern, but he's righteous and just to forgive us our sins. When we confess with our hearts and and ask for forgiveness. So I really want you like when you there's there's always a video that I recommend to people that are that are talking to talking with God, not talking to God, but talking with God. And if I remember to do it in post, put up the the picture of the channel. It is a YouTube channel named I I'm Beggar and he goes over one of my favorite my most helpful explained one of the most helpful ways to really talk to God and how to do it. And in that, the way to speak with him is not with really this, but it's with this. Talk to him through your heart. We know that God is a reader of the hearts. You can say many, 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 many things in prayer. And this goes both with you and this question of how do I refine my relationship with Christ or how do I ref refine my relationship with God and 
this also goes to those who already have it but feel like they don't want to pray or don't feel like they want to talk because it's boring or it's not it's not really doing anything for me when you talk with him the way that he wants you to talk with him i guarantee you finna watch a shift in your prayer life when you talk to him with your heart and start off your prayer by addressing sin that you know you have done and addressing him with and that's why you see in the model prayer it starts off with reverent fear it starts off with thanksgiving it starts off with praise and adoration to him we don't start off being like i right, so here's the deal god i really need money i need this i need that it says seek first his kingdom and all the other things will be added. Seek first the fruits of the spirit. All right. Now I'm going off track from the answer. But another thing is, is develop a prayer life. How are you going to grow in intimacy and in a relationship when you don't talk with him? And that's something that it feels like a lot of people tend to forget is that you have to develop a prayer life because prayer life is communication with God. And for those who don't know what a prayer life is, every day you ought to pray. Now I'm now you may be like, but I don't want to spend, you know what I'm saying? Prayer when you talk with God and communicate it with God, obviously not I'm not gonna keep saying obviously, but in the word it does say that we are to pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that you start from the beginning of the day every day that you wake up all the way down to the second you're about to pass out in your bed to then go like, you know, just repeating the model player or, or just just praying without ceasing. It's not necessarily what it means. What it means with prayer without ceasing is that we should always be praying. So every day, no matter if it's 10 minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, three and a half hours, talk to God. He wants to know what's going on with your day. He wants to know how you feel. He wants to be praised by you. He wants to be glorified by you. He wants to, he wants to communicate with us. That's really what it was always from the start is that he wanted a relationship with us. And just like anybody else, how are you going to have a relationship with someone you don't speak to? I can go up to the doggone supermarket and have a small conversation with somebody for like five minutes doesn't mean that I know this person now. You may know a little bit about that person, but you did not know that you don't know them. You may know something of them, not them though. So that's another thing is you want to develop a life where you pray day after day, have some form of communication verbally, inwardly with your heart where you just express what's going on with you. Just thank him when you wake up in the morning and don't do it begrudgingly. Don't do it like you feel like it's a chore. When you do it like you feel like it's a chore, I guarantee you're going to burn out fast. And that's where a lot of people are at, where they feel like I have to pray every day. I have to pray every day. I have to read the word every day. Well, that stuff is good. When you do it like you're a robot, you ain't going to get nothing out of it, man. You won't get much out of it. So that that's one of the things I definitely say. Um, and, and again, the video was actually titled how to talk with God, not to God. 
that video is amazing and it does help my prayer life and another thing that i always 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 recommend in building and refining your relationship with god get up in the bible a lot of people will say they don't hear from god and that's because they don't read his word it's not like he won't speak to you but the literal best way that i know of in my chrome dome at this very second to hear from god is to get in the word of god it makes sense when you realize that the word of god which has god's breath and influenced by the spirit of god upon the writers in the book therefore this is all his work and i'm pointing at the floor i don't know why i'm pointing at the floor but my bible's back there though but like in the word it's the word of god so you want to hear god's voice or you want to hear what he's thinking you want to hear what he's saying you want to hear what he's feeling you want to know about him get up in the word and if you want to learn about how to gain wisdom about the bible there's an episode about that there's an episode i believe it's two episodes ago where i i, I go over how to gain wisdom how to gain understanding and I'll drop a little nugget on you. You got to search for that thing. You got to get, you got to, you have to get that thing. You can't just desire, you got to pursue that thing. All right? And if you want more elaboration, whole 30, 40 minutes worth of explanation in that one. Um, I believe there was something else I had. Hold on. Ah, oh, yeah. In... Psalm 119 verses, actually, I'm, I'm going to read the whole thing. I, I believe I want to read that whole thing, starting at verse 105 of Psalm 119. Let's read it. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Now, what did we just say? Your word, God's word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. If God's word is a lamp for my feet, meaning when you don't know which direction to go in life, God's word is a lamp, that means that where his word is heard and that where his word is applied and where his word is obtained, it then proceeds to lay out the next steps for your life. It lays out information for the next step of your life. And it says, I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much, persevere or preserve my life. I don't know why I said persevere. It says, I have suffered much, preserve my life, Lord, according to your word, accept Lord the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. In other words, I believe that also means teachings. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. When you keep his word, you you start to see where that word is foundation of your life. Check the story of the 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 um 
the foundation on the rock in Matthew that Jesus talks about those who Jesus shows the importance and the difference of those who hear his word and do not of it, but hear his word and apply it. There is going to be a stark difference. And also in Psalm chapter one, it talks about um, let me let me read it word for word. Because this is one of those things I do actually remember in Psalm one. I really love this. I really love this. It says, blessing the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. We see the very, 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 very stark difference of one who meditates on the word day and night and delights in the law of the Lord. And then and, and those who think that the law is referring to legitimately just the Levitical law. We have to understand that the Bible is the final authority. The The word of God is in the Bible. So the word of God is the final authority. And when you think about it, like it legitimately is. If you do not abide by the teachings and the 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 law essentially of God, uh, I mean, like think about it in literal court of law. When you break the law and you know you don't have anyone to pay that fine, buddy, you going in imprisonment. So, and and that's in the same way here. It's not talking necessarily about the Levitical law. It might it might actually have been written with the intent of the law, but when it does say, "Whose delight is in the law and the uh, of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night," that is still His word. And it's still His word. So when you when you really want to rebuild that relationship with Christ, uh, with with Christ and rebuild and rededicate your life to God, it starts with a repentant heart. It, it it's when you go and talk to him tell him freaking everything just talk to him like you would when you confess to your friends late night in the car i don't know if you actually have a car or if you're of that age to where you drive driving like that but like when you just sit back stare at the roof or stare at the stars and then you sit there and just realize you just you just want to pour your heart out that's what it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pour your heart out to him. Pour your heart out to him. Um, repentance is very key. If you've been going back to a life of sin, repent first. Ask for forgiveness, too. Um, and then just pour your heart out and then start talking to him daily and being in his word daily and be intentional about what you read really soak it in and that'll be a blessing for your heart so 
this is on 43 minutes and i'm already on question three i'm only on question three um i just want to say i'm actually having a great time all right so Ooh. question number four this was a very hard question for me this is a very very hard question for me it is was the book of enoch actually in the bible already and was it removed or let me let me read it yeah was the book of enoch actually in the bible and was it removed and so the answer to that that i found is really i don't know i have done a lot of listening and research and i still don't really have an answer and there are two reasons really why i i don't really have an answer and that's one there is a very fat divide and i know that's not the basis of the reason why i don't know but there is a really big divide there's like two sides that i'm really seeing is really those those that say the book of enoch the elites took it out they don't want you to know the enemy doesn't want you to know and then there's others that say it's not the biblical canon and it's kind of inerrancy with the rest of the uh, biblical canon and to that i say you can still read it it's just not scripture um and it was never really referred to as scripture. I've seen so many different cases where it talks about Jude going over and comparing and talking about Enoch. And it, it says that it's a quote of the book of Enoch. But then I find where many of those, uh, if you go and look up the verse of Jude that it is talking about, and then what it says in the book of Enoch, there is a difference in what's talking about. So it's not a direct reference to the book of Enoch. Um ah stuff on my face but um another thing i found in all of my research is i actually have to look at hold on <clears throat> because i legitimately don't know how to pronounce this it's a pseudepigraphal work it is a pseudepigraphal work um and the literal definition let me just read it it's which means it was written to imitate scripture, but was written under a false name slash an alias. So it, it that kind of like destroys kind of its credibility. And to answer the question directly, what I found in a whole bunch of research of whether I was looking for a yes or a no. So then that way I could like dive into at least one of the sides, but I did find where it says no, because it was not in the Roman Catholic Bible or nor was it in the Protestant Bible at all. And there are plenty of cases made in which different books of the Bible have attested to this and they all failed. Um, not books of the Bible, technically books trying to be in the Bible and they did not make it in because they just weren't right. But the, the fact that it was a pseudepigraphal I hope I'm not butchering that word, but if it's a pseudepigraph, I don't know any word. I'm going to call it a pseuda. If it's a pseuda writing, 
where the author's not even known, it does kind of destroy its credibility. But the thing that I've also heard was you can still read it. Me personally, before I even say what I'm about to say, I say, ask God, because when it comes down to something as heavy as is something scripture or is something not scripture or is this taken out or not taken out? I say I need to do more research before I give anyone a definite answer. So all of this, I would not say take as the truth. Now, when it comes down to the pseudepigraphal writings, yes, that is the truth. It is under an alias. It is un- it is not written. Um, it, the author's hidden. It's under a false or fake name. Um, you can search up the definition of that term. That is actually true. And I also found that the book of Enoch, it seems like it says that they, it wasn't in the Roman Catholic Church Bible and it wasn't in the Protestant Bible. That may be fact. I did a lot of research and it didn't seem like a lot of them were answering whether or not it was directly in the Bible already or whether it was removed. I honestly don't think it ever was in it, but a lot of people think it was in it. And I just don't know. Um, but to answer another question of can you read it? Yes. And I'd say ask God for discernment on whether or not that is a reliable source of scripture. Because if it was never in the Bible referred to as scripture, then it ain't to be taken as scripture. And I don't want to tell anybody to do or to not do anything because if it is and I'm wrong and the world is wrong, a I don't think I'm going to hell for that because it was removed and I don't really that's not the reason why you go to hell because oops hit the mic but I I don't really know it was very very hard for me to find an answer and I'm sorry that I don't have anything direct but I do think the answer is no I don't think it was originally a part of it maybe especially because it was under a falsified um, author and it tried to, and that's what the definition is. It tries to in be, it tries to be a writing inspired by scripture. And the scripture that the book of Enoch is referring to is in the days of Noah, I believe, where, where, um, 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 um where the, the, I forgot the, the actual Greek, I don't know if that was Greek, but Nephium or something like that. Um, where it's talking about the angels that came down and had sex with the women and then made the Nephilim. Um, and it talks about the watchers and all that. And it talks about the stories of, of angels and whatnot. And I really just don't know. And personally, I would have to read it all myself to really develop a solid uh, answer for that. Uh, so I really do not know, but I think it probably was not. Um, if you still want to read it, I just say read it and ask for discernment on whether or not. Um, you know, you would ever reference that as scripture in different topics or whatnot. So I really don't know. So I really tried to find an answer. I just really couldn't find a definite for me. And I also did not have time to read the entire book of Enoch to discern that. And I do actually kind of want to read it myself anyways. So I do actually want to read the book of Enoch, see what they got going on in there. It does sound very, very interesting. Even if it's not legitimate scripture, it's very, very interesting um, with the with a turn of biblical history. So next and not final, but next and second to last. This is a question that I 
have been waiting to answer since I first put out this question. And I thank you for sitting because this personally is one of my favorite questions. The question is, how do you tell your future spouse about your past? And oh boy, oh boy, I'm going to try and make this not 30 minutes because we already on an hour. But Holy Spirit, let's get active. So first and foremost, you want to tell them before they're ever your spouse. When you're even looking for someone to be married, you're finding someone to spend the rest of your life with in partnership. So you're going to want to know about their past in that point leading up to that. You want to let them know. You want to go through that together. And also, not only that, but it will tell you a lot about a person whenever you bring up something of a heavy topic. And you get to see how they react to it as well. Because that's also a part of the thing that that's something I would look out for whenever choosing a spouse is can you take harsh information or can you take, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you want to look for that stuff in someone that you're looking at to be the partner for the rest of your life to glorify God with. So I'd say if you're not in a relation or if not in a relationship, but if you're at the point where you're just dating and you're testing to see if this person is the one for you. Dog, that needs to be very, that needs to be discussed first and foremost. Second, if you are already married and this is your spouse and you have not told them, you are now obligated to tell them. And here's why. So we finna pull up some scripture. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Been waiting for this. Been waiting for this one. Where is it? Let me pull up. Let me pull it up on this one. Everybody open up to. Come on, Chief. Taking forever. All right, in Mark 10, verse 8 through 9, this is where Jesus is talking. Actually, I'm going to give you some context, too, because I don't like just reading one scripture necessarily all the time without any context. This is where Jesus is talking about marriage and divorce. It says, starting from three, no, we'll start from six. It says, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them man and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So when you are married, it's very, very key and important to realize that you are not two, but you're one. And I did get this very, very weird um, visual for that. If that's a very hard, complex idea for you to understand when two become one, but you're two separate people, but one. Think about, I don't want to say it because it could come off a little weird. 
but it's kind of like think about like uh, I don't even want to say that <laughs> I don't want to say that I don't want to say that you're like one person but two different people um I was thinking more of like nah I'm not gonna say that I don't want to say that um but no <laughs> no 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 when when you're married you become one and we also have in scripture what's what's hers is yours and what's his is yours so this is not what i was looking for hold on In 1 Corinthians of chapter 7, verses 3 through 4, it says, The husband must fulfill his marital duty to his wife with good will and kindness, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have exclusive authority over her own body, but the husband shares with her. And likewise, the husband does not have exclusive authority over his own body, but the wife shares with him. So I know in context of this, it is talking about the pleasures of one another and that we are not to deprive each other of that because it's, you know, kind of required with marriage. Um, We're going to have sexual intimacy. And another thing is that when it says to become one and here it says the wife does not have exclusive authority over her own body. Want you to listen to that word body. But the husband shares with her and likewise, the husband does not have exclusive authority over his own body. So what do we know that our being is made out of? It's a three part being body, soul and spirit. And then your soul is where your mind is at. Right. Where your thoughts or your will is at. Right. So if you are to become one, does that not mean that when her body is joined with your body in oneness through marriage that what's in her past should therefore be brought up into a conversation and what is his past needs to be brought up in a conversation you are now one so you should operate in tandem with each other so there shouldn't be secrets kept anymore now to answer the question the best way to communicate with them about your past is to be open, honest, vulnerable, transparent, truthful. You want to be all of that. All of that. Now, I'd say, depending on what it is, don't leave out details. If you don't feel vulnerable enough to do so, I don't know why you married the person, but also that could be something that you need to work on. Um, is vulnerability. You got to be able to talk about what it is that you're going through or have gone through before. It's very important that you do so. Communication plays such a big part in any relationship on the face of the planet. Communication could literally either make or break something. So if there's a lack of communication or if there is an abundance of communication, it will make all the difference in your relationship. So to go over the fact that you want to be open and honest, you want to let everything be known. All right. You don't want to lie about stuff because the more you keep stuff suppressed, 
it will come back up. Scripture, Luke 12, verses 2 and 3. Whatever is kept down in darkness will be brought to light. You want more scripture because you think that may not be right? Proverbs 28, verse 13. Now I'm going to read that one void for void. It says, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And we know our fruits of the spirit are to be like him. Fruits of the spirit come from him. So if the mercy is received from him, we are to have mercy for others. So when you confess, it is a literal... I don't have it with me, but there was something that came to mind when I first heard this. Confession. Confession is a literal. Not confession, but communication is a literal mental and spiritual release of your shackles. You ever wonder why whenever you finally tell a lie, you feel a literal physical sense of freedom along with a bodily spiritual sense of freedom? Because when you confess, you are breaking those shackles off your brain and off you in the spirit. When you communicate these things, bro, that's why it says, in James 5, what is this, 5.16? Confess to one another so that you might be healed, bruh. And that when you confess to one another and when you talk it over what it is that you've been doing or have done, there's freedom in communication. Oh, my literal goodness, there is freedom in communication. When you talk about things, those shackles come off of you. There's a release that comes from within you because you've been suppressing something so very important that you your body wants to literally eject whatever it is. That's why if you hold a, a secret down for so long, buddy, that's going to come with so much emotional distress. Because your body is it's finally gaining freedom from something that you've been literally suppressing like a ticking time bomb. So the best way to explain it is be honest and be transparent and also learn that from that point, even before when you co- uh, confess or what it, whatever it is, communication is going to be one of your most effective tools in your relationship communication will always be of hefty importance to maintain in your relationship because there might be moments in a relationship where you don't want to communicate i'd rather just lay back chill out i'd rather avoid the conflict i'd rather just dissipate on that i'd rather just i don't know I'd rather just skip off of it. Rather just do nothing. Da, 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 da. Then you start to get complacent with the fact that you don't want to open up anymore. 
then you start to backslide into the fact that you're not very vulnerable with what's going on with you. Now there's contention between you and you and the missus or you and the hubby because now you don't want to talk to them. Don't even want to talk to them, bro. And when when you don't want to talk to them, it becomes an issue. And 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 that's one of the things that that can go for even outside of the relationships, but to keep it on point, the way you tell them is by being honest. And now I want to say this. If you feel that you can't communicate with your spouse or with your significant other, there is a conversation that needs to be had. For whatever reason it is, maybe you feel literally invalidated or the person's a narcissist and they only care about themselves or they legitimately just do not care about what's going on with you because they're exhausted there's there's been conflict going on already for so long da 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 whatever the reason is there needs to be a, a, a sit down there needs to be a sit down where you just talk let your mind be known but be respectful in that though don't just be like you don't ever listen to me you don't never talk to me Alexa just tried to hijack the stream, bro. But like, no, you'll never talk to me. You won't ever listen to me. You won't ever, you'll never hear what I have to say, bro. Like, uh. like, no, 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 no. Be mature about it. And you just want to talk about it. Hey, I don't like the fact that when I try to let you know what's going on with me, I just feel like I can't talk to you anymore because you don't X, Y, and Z and be for real. Be patient, be loving, be kind in your deliver delivery. Don't go in there, hell and guns blazing, just like you don't care nothing about me. You No. No. There's even scripture in that that no matter what, bro, a quarreling wife ain't it. And a not so godly husband is Tough to deal with on both ends. Very tough to deal with. But your helper, the Holy Spirit, will teach you what to say in that moment. He will. So, I really hope that answered that question with how do you tell your spouse about your future? And be honest. Have a sit down. Let them know before they're even your spouse if you can avoid taking that into the marriage. And discussing that while you guys are still really figuring each other out. And going through that that area where it's like, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. And I know that I have a backstory because the thing is, is if that stuff is actually traumatic, it could resurface later. If it is really traumatic, like let's say you were involved in homosexuality for your whole life and then you get set free and this is your first relationship. There might be some contention in that because maybe you're still dealing with st- I really do not know there are some areas where that could come up so you want to discuss it discuss it discuss it with the person please communication will set spiritual and mental shackles off of you all right so we round up to the last question the biggest question the question that will literally take me another 50 minutes to explain the question is Have I ever 
broken one of the Ten Commandments, bro? No. Have I ever broken one of those Ink Amendments? Man, please. Man, please. Have I broken one of those Ink Amendments? I'm trying to see whether or not. I think I could say I broke just about every last one of them, bro. Just about every last one of them. But the thing is, is there's a gift. A gift greater than the trespass. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's the one that died on the cross for the salvation of our sins. He's the one that paid that penalty. So even if I did and I have broken every last one of the Ten Commandments, there is freedom and salvation and forgiveness and mercy and grace under the acceptance of Jesus. Under the sacrifice of Jesus. And I know this isn't even a question really, but the way that you get to heaven is not through your doing good. The only reason, the literal I want you I want to look you dead in the eye. The only reason that you get to set foot in heaven is because of what Jesus did, not a thing that you did. Not one. And I don't even like saying this sometimes because I want to take no. The only thing that you did was accept what he did to get you to heaven. You realize what he did was give you that key to relationship with father. So have I broken them? Yes. And I'm not under the law. I am now under grace. So that concludes the first q and a so i just want to say thank you guys so much thank you guys so much for submitting your questions i honestly really really loved every last one of these questions i loved them to bits all the questions were very nice all the very all the questions were very serious uh like these these were all the questions that i believe that i received and they were all great, man. I really loved all of these. All of these, man. I loved all of these questions. They were so very good. And again, I'm sorry that I couldn't find a direct answer on the book of Enoch because it was, it just got to the point where it's like I had to read it. Like I really have to read the whole book of Enoch. And that's the only one that I really didn't think that I could answer in time. But I really did want to provide at least what little information I feel like I could find. Um, I listened to so many different ones about people explaining it, but they never even said anything about them, whether or not it was in there. But I was like, yeah. Anyway, so thank you guys so much. I might look tired. It's 11.06 p.m. You know what I'm saying? Like, please let me hold on. I need to check if my camera was recording because there have been way too many. Hold on. No, why? Why? Why?
Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so it's only been six minutes. Six minutes, no camera. Six minutes, no camera. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, six minutes, no camera is not bad. Okay, I forgot that I legitimately have my screen time off at 11, so I didn't think it was going to go to 11. Bruh. When I tell you, my heart just fell to my freaking big toe. Oh my gosh. Because I'm not going to. I'm not even going to hold you. This is the third time there are camera cutoffs in a row. And to go around that camera and see that black screen almost just set something so irrational off in me okay so i just want to say thank you guys so much for watching 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 this video again i want to say thank you guys so much for submitting your questions i really do want to do it again please let me know if there are any other questions you have uh probably won't be another episode because there are like uh different things that we got going on soon um so i just want to say I really enjoyed this and I love to do it again. I love interacting and talking with the people who listen, who are just on their different walks with Christ and they just want somebody to talk to, some friends or some questions answered. And I figure what better way to engage than to just talk with them about some questions. And uh, eventually I do want to get a live stream going. I really do want to get a live stream going and I'd really have to make sure like what, like what's, what, you know what I'm saying? What's happening with that? What's happening? Maybe we might be able to do that, but, um, yeah, man, I really want to do this again sometime soon. I rather, I, I really want to do this sometime soon. And I really hope that all of your questions were answered. And if not, you can go ahead and hit up the DMs on the Instagram deep down below in that description right there. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. If you liked it. That is not my, that was my old outro from uh, freaking 2016 on YouTube when I was a little jit. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Word of Reason podcast. Where I present where you can find reason in your life, but it's only through the Word of God. First Q&A down packed in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, I don't know what to say. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys in the next episode. Peace. I'm so glad my dog on camera didn't go out, bro. All right, let me stop recording, bro. I'm done. <laughs>